here we are. Let's go live with Jack Kelly, with my buddy, with a blind ambition. Rick, good to see you, my friend. We have this mini series called Jack and Rick Take on the Workplace. <laughs> and this episode, we really want to tackle this concept of so-called prestige in the workplace, uh, prestige in jobs. So Jack, if you'll indulge me, let's let's start off this episode, maybe do sure. a lightning round. You know, you've probably seen it all, worked for some of the largest um, companies, some of the most prestigious mm -hmm. companies um, as a recruiter for over 15 years. Oh, keep um, going. Thank you for making me sound younger. I think I'll take that. It's more, dude, it's coming out like 25. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I was like 12 when I started recruiting. I was, like, <laughs> I was a recruiter prodigy as a little kid. I love it. And so let's do this lightning round and you'll tell me. So the way they'll work is I'll, I'll, I'll list something and you'll tell me, does prestige matter or not in let's this do concept? Do I have to hit a buzzer? Yes. Or no, I just, just I, yeah, we could edit it in post, right? Okay, okay. Um, so does the prestige of someone's education, university background matter? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And just wait, just so I know to clarify, if I'm saying a hundred percent and I agree, doesn't mean I agree it should. I'm just a realist. I right. look at the world as it is, not how it should be. So that, yeah, so I'm giving these answers. Don't hate me on it because <laughs> I just got to be honest. It's, it's It matters. Yeah. We won't hate you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So education, 100%. How about the names of the companies that you've worked at previously? Once again, 100%. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Think about it. How many times do you see on LinkedIn where somebody is like X Google X? You see it more on the tech side where you are with blind right. ambition. You know, it's um, you know you'll see it X Google X this X that. Um, you don't see that in other areas because I think they're bragging. They're doing that humble brag. Look at all these great companies I work with. So you know you should hire me too. All right. Now I'm gonna throw a crazy one out there. Okay. But does where you live, does that prestige matter? Yes. Oh, interesting. Gosh, so just like all of these yes. are so surprising to me, but perhaps not surprising to you. Can I, can I tell you a little anecdote? Yes, please. <laughs> About, okay. So when I graduated from college, I came back home for a while like, to mm -hmm. figure out what I'm going to do and all that kind of stuff. And I lived in this place in Brooklyn, but... This was Brooklyn before it became cool. This was Brooklyn that was like the, hey, how you doing over there, Brooklyn? Hey, all right. What's up over there, Richie? How you doing, Ricky? Like that kind of Brooklyn, right? And yeah. so I would send out, and this is, I'm going to age myself. This was literally typing out resumes, right? And putting it in an envelope, looking at the envelope and having to send it out. And when they would see my address, nothing, right? Nothing. Wow. So I said, hmm, at the time you had this place called Mailbox, et cetera, where you could just get a P.O. box. <laughs> so I chose like a really swanky area in Manhattan and I used that as my address. So then when I sent out resumes, I got answers and I got, you know, offers and everything kicked in. 
And it was completely because when they would see Canarsie, Brooklyn at the time, they're like, this guy must be a moron where he lives. So why would we do it? But then when they see, you know, the nice, you know, I, think, I can't remember where it was, but like a really nice area in Manhattan. So they felt, huh, yeah, this guy got to be somebody. Let's let's bring him in. Crazy, right? Interesting. Crazy indeed. <laughs> and now, now the last one, maybe this is a gimme for you. Okay. Um, but the industry that you work in, we have a lot of folks that want to go from industry to industry. And they wonder in the hopping process, like, is there kind of an order of operations that they have to go through? Is, are certain industries more prestigious than others? Yeah. You know, I think if you would have a list, you know, let's say on Wall Street, you have Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, you know, management consulting, you'll have McKinsey uh, in tech, which you know better than I, because that's, that's blind. That's their whole platform. You know, you have Apple, Amazon, Microsoft. Uh, meta, all those. So there's this definitely this hierarchy where, you know, you have some of these key companies that are at this level, and then you have different tiers. And we don't talk about too much because it sounds really like crass. It sounds almost like a caste system. It sounds, you know, like back in the day in England, when, you know, if you have a Cockney accent, you're kind of labeled, you know, maybe lower class, or if you have an upscale accent. So it, it smacks of all that, but yeah, it does. A lot of where you work makes a big difference for your future career. I mean, so the reason I bring up all of these kind of different categories is, you know, it's almost become kind of a meme on blind for people to ask, literally pull the community, hey, which is more prestigious, right? And the meme goes as far as people joking about, you know, which grocery stores are, are better to shop at than others. But in the workplace, it seems like, to your point, where you went to school, the companies that you've worked at previously, or even interned at if you're, you're earlier in your career, the industries that you're coming from, if you're going to try to swap industries or hop from one to another, uh, and, and certainly the companies do matter. So can we like tackle this one by one? Because I'm sure. a little surprised still in 2023 that um, these things might exist. Even your like where you live, the zip code yes. or the city that you put on your resume might matter. Why is this the case when, you know, in, in other parts of kind of the job market, it seems like companies have taken great pains to show like, hey, we are diverse we want diverse talent. We want to break down barriers to make it easier to kind of level up or get that next great job. Mm -hmm. um, why, why do these little things still matter? A couple of things to unpack it. One, what people say and what they do are two different things. They're sure. going to say, they're going to say, we want a diverse group of people working here. We want diversity and inclusion. But if you've noticed when we had, when, when did it start? Like all those mass layoffs that were taking place? Right. DEI, boom, they were cut. Yeah. They were like one of the first, along with recruiters, by the way, they were the first ones to cut right away. So were they really caring about it or was it just window dressing to show like, hey, look how great we are. Look what we're doing. And it's all talk. And then when it comes down to doing it, first thing they do, let's get rid of that DEI team. You know, we don't need them. They're cost center. So, so yeah, 
you have to separate that, you know, and then when it comes to like the schools you said and everything, right. I hate that it's this way. It becomes, becomes like fashion. It becomes like, if you went to this school, hmm, you must be good because you're at this school. So now when you graduate, well, this guy went to this school, so he has to be good. So we should give him this job. And then he gets a job and so on. And not all the times is true. A lot of times it's not at all true that, you know, the person is a, like an idiot and they happen to get into that school for whatever reason. And doesn't mean that they're better or worse than anyone. So it's just a bizarre, it's a bizarre system. It's not, they pretend that it's all fair and equal, but it's not at all. Because one thing that I find really interesting, and I don't know if this is the case, because yeah. You recruit mostly for these like Wall Street quant firms, these like big New York where yeah. I the stereotype is, you know, the East Coast is a bit more old school. These industries, they want you in the office, they want you dressed yes. up in your kind of suit and tie. They they take these things more seriously. Whereas, you know, I, I look like a schlub right now, <laughs> but in San Francisco, you you have to respect me because I could yeah. be a billionaire, right? right? Like you don't know who I am. Like it just almost seems like a different world. And so in tech, the recent kind of phenomenon or the trend is, hey, we don't care if you went to college or not. Um, you know, especially for these like entry level roles, if you have the equivalent working experience and working experience at some of these firms are described so broadly to include like internships or even, um, you know, military experience experience if you're a veteran um that's okay we'll we'll hire you and we'll actually like train and give you these skills right these the so-called um skills-based mm -hmm. hiring seems to be the new trend um but one thing that i find is you know even at firms that i've worked at startups that i've been at where that's kind of front and center on their right. careers page they say they do this you know, I've gotten, I've seen the briefs that the hiring managers give to the recruiters of the ideal candidate, the like great profiles to help them source candidates to, to like bring into the interview pipeline. And on the top, it still says like, hey, these schools are great. Or, you know, I've seen some that say like, I don't want um, to see people that came from a boot camp. I've also seen uh, bullet points that say, Hey, this university up to this graduation year, okay. After this, uh, well, their their standards have declined, so not so much. Like, what are you, are you seeing this in in, yeah, in Wall Street and other industries? Because you know what, for people who who are who are watching this now or are watching a replay, it's all a game. It's all a game. <laughs> They'll say that. They'll say, okay, skills based hiring. You don't need a degree. But then you interview, you don't have a degree, and they're like, sorry, we don't want you. But what it says on your website, no, 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 no. That's not for you. No, that's not <laughs> that's not you. It's so someone else. We've hired other people for that. It's it's just it's a game, man. And like the sad part is, is is it's messed up because just because you went to a certain school, you work for a certain company doesn't mean you're any better. And sometimes it's bad because you hire these people because of their resume and then they're not really that good. Sometimes they're really terrible. Maybe because they got in because they were legacy 
And they're just, and then you're working for a place. You're like, man, how did this person get here? They're awful. So let's say Wall Street. If you, I don't, it's, it might be not so much now, but for a while, it's like if you were on lacrosse, so maybe you didn't go to an Ivy, but a really top school, but you were a great lacrosse player. Right. That was your in to get on a trading floor or to get involved with investment banking. So then you would have different skills that you have that would be really attractive. And, and it would change. Just like you say, a year would change. Okay, we don't want someone for this year because whatever. Like, okay, lacrosse really in. And then now I don't think so much. I don't know what is it is it now. Is it pickleball now? I would imagine so. That would be fun, right? Like, I got a scholarship in pickleball. Three right. <laughs> right for pickleball. I mean, so it's like a lot of these kind of experiences or skills yeah. are almost coded, right? Yeah. Where, I, you know, I've I've been on the other side as a hiring manager. And for some of these roles, you know, I was looking for a marketing manager recently. And with all these layoffs, marketing was among one of the roles yeah. that was um, cut most often. And, oh, my gosh, I have to tell you, Jack, I don't, I don't know if you ever felt this way recruiting, but it felt like a nightmare to go through those resumes where we'll post up a job by noon, there'll be 300, 400 wow. applications. And, you know, I, I'm a bit of a nerd. So I'm going to like sit down, I block off time on my calendar. I block off an hour and I say, you know, I'm going to try to go through these one by one and, and really try to get through them. In an hour, I might get through like, 50 mm-hmm. or 70 um and by the time i'm done i like log out of my system log like log out of this part of the resumes and i get 300 more yeah and and this this like feeling just like of never ending like oh my gosh like i i, I can't physically get through each of these resumes one by one and so i could imagine you know and i'm not saying i do this but I, I can imagine a lot of hiring managers or recruiters will want to use shortcuts, right? And they'll say like, oh, well, if Jack worked at Goldman before, well, Goldman, I really respect their recruiting team. They must have, you know, a quote unquote high bar or high standards. So if they were good enough for Goldman, well, surely they must be good enough for me. Or, you know, maybe you think, oh, I have the same kind of prestige or same standards as Goldman. So Oh, th- those boys at Goldman did the screening for me. Um, I'm going to take a look at this resume or I'll just like bring them in and, and we'll go from there. Does that happen writ large, you think? Yeah, all the time. So that's, that's I think, a big challenge. And you know, for people who are frustrated in the job search, what Rick was saying is so true. Where you post a job, pick any job board, it could be LinkedIn, it could be Indeed, what have you. And then... There's so many because everybody's shooting their shot because it's easy to apply. And then whoever's looking at it, like in Rick's example, you're just so overwhelmed. And I could attest to it because it happens to me too. You just get blurry eyed after a while. You know, it's like you can't even focus after reading, after you read like 10, 20, 30 resumes. It's just hard to remember who's who, what's good, you know, what's up. And then you default to, well, as Rick was saying, hey, here, this person went to this school, they worked at this company before, what have you. You know what? Let's pick that one out first. Another thing separately, what I find you need to do, if you could find somebody who is like an insider, 
that's always best. It's like you're cutting in line and you're getting around. If they could say, hey, Rick, you know the HR person. Can, can, you, can you give the resume to that person and bring it in? Then they'll also be happy. Now, you don't necessarily need that pedigree, but you get a strong recommendation. And that holds a lot of water too. So I don't want to make it where people feel bad, like, oh my gosh, I didn't go to the right school, work at the right company, I'm done. No, there are other hacks to do it. So if you have, if you're good at schmoozing, and I know it sounds weird to say that networking, it sounds icky, but you got to do that. Because if you're good at that, it's a superpower. Because then you could find people who are going to advocate for you and, and get your resume in front of the right people and get you know in front of the right managers. I, I think you're exactly right, right? It, it's that referral where you suddenly stand out as an individual yeah. and not just a resume among exactly. Um, and I'll also tell you this like cheat, you know, one thing that I did was as a hiring manager, when you have hundreds and you, you even go through a few dozen and you get a hundred more, what I end up doing is in my ATS system, the, the, uh, applicant tracking system for all the candidates, um, there's actually a red flag if it's a referral. And so I'm actually like actively scanning for those red flags because mm. that stands out rather than, right. you know, 500 resumes. Now, I, I do have to ask you, Jack, let's say yeah. you, you haven't worked at a prestigious company before, or, you know, you're, you're trying to crack into tech. You really want to work at Google, Amazon. You really want to work at McKinsey, Bain. Mm -hmm. You really want to work at Goldman. and I, I don't know who else, but, and you don't have that pedigree. You maybe didn't go to like the, the best school. You're not on the target list of these recruiters or sorcerers. Besides this referral and, and trying to crack in that way, is there anything else that we should know about any programs that are out there, um, any kind of events that the, the firm might be holding that we can get on the radar that way? Like, how do we crack that code? Well, I think one of the things you could do is really try to cultivate a substantial network. And what I mean by that is it could be kids you grew up with and you're still in touch with who are in really cool positions now. It could be people from your family, friends, church, temple, mosque, what have you. Uh, so when you have this like large group of people that you stay in touch with, you know, just not knowing it, but you want to kind of nurture that network, then you have people who could advocate for you, who could help you out. So now, all right, you may not have the prestige sounding company on your resume, or you didn't go to the, you know, Yale or Princeton, or what have you, but if you have people who are really going to bat for you and could put in a word, uh, and it's not just with a resume, just to kind of get you noticed, that helps a lot too. So also, if you're in, let's say, a second tier kind of company, you have to do things just to really outshine everybody. And you're not going to like, so a lot of people aren't going to like what I hear next. You know, while people are working remote, go in like five days a week. You know, you want to be that person, that go-to person that they know, hey, Jack and Rick, I see you every day. You're humping it. You're working hard. You're doing your best. And they're going to say like, hey, let's promote them. These, these, these guys are really working hard. So 
you really want to turn on the turbo boosters in your career and not just rely. Because if you just rely on sending out a resume, if you just rely, you know, on just clicking easy apply, it's going to be really tough. You know, so so if I'm at RC Cola and I'm not Coca-Cola yes. or Pepsi, I really need to be the big fish in the small pond. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And then everybody knows you, you're the guy, you know, you're the fast tracker, you know, you're the one with the halo effect, like, hey, we got to go to Rick. And then, you know, it's funny, like, you may not know it, but like, people talk, and it gets around. So they know, hey, you know, this guy, Rick over at RC, like, I'm hearing good things about him. And then before you know it, recruiters want to place people because they're, you know, they're money hungry, and they want to make a placement and get a commission. They're gonna be like, huh, I got this opening. I'm hearing about this guy, Rick. Let me, let me, let me tap into him. So you do get, no, it's weird. Cause like you think no one, no, you know, how many times do people, I bet you everybody's watching like, oh, no one knows what I'm doing. No one knows I exist. Right. No one, but they do. If you, if you're outstanding, mm -hmm. yes, they will know. If like you're a superstar, fast tracker, you don't even have to be that smart. Just be a hard worker, be a, be a hard worker. Right. And then also, have a little bit of a personality and be nice to people and develop relationships. And it sounds so corny and old fashioned, but it works. I mean, it really works because then people want to help you. They look forward to helping you. I, I, I think I'm, I'm laughing because it sounds so simple when right? you say it and lay it out. But, you know, I can look back at, at different parts of my career and think like, oh, actually, no, like I, I think through the confluence of like luck and just being kind of active and out there and telling people explicitly like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And can you help me? I, I think most people will be surprised to hear that. I very rarely had people tell me no, like very rarely did people blow me off and say like, Oh, actually, you know, go F off or like, mm -hmm. no, I don't have the time. You know, I think generally people are naturally very helpful, right? I, I've had so many kind of these quote unquote informational interviews yeah. when I was looking to break into communications and PR. And, you know, I hadn't worked at a PR agency, which is kind of the typical career path there. And, you know, I didn't necessarily want to work at a PR agency. And different folks said like, hey, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take coffee or like, hey, let's go have lunch or something. Or, hey, you went to my school, or you know so-and-so at church. Um, and, and they'll actually, like, go out and do it, right? Because I guess in their eyes, it only takes half an hour, maybe an mm -hmm. hour. Uh, but for me, it was incredibly valuable, right? And, and, and just, like, stacking those up over time really helped me build my own prestige, so to speak, right? In terms of having a brand for yourself mm -hmm. or having that confidence when these kind of external things like the prestige of my school or, or um, my past experience or my right. resume on its own didn't really kind of help me out or do me favors. I think that's so smart. It's so smart because think about, I think a lot of people, what ends up happening, you know, let's take pre-COVID when everyone's in the office, you'd have your own little, you know, group that you associate right. with and then that's it. You know, you're just with them. But what you're suggesting, all right, yes, that's great. You have your little family, your your work wife, your work husband, you know, some other good connections. 
but then you have to go beyond that to the next yeah. level. And I think most people don't go beyond that. And that's what happens. So then when they need some help, there's like no one to turn to. I think you're right. And especially in tech, there's this feeling that, oh, this industry is so big. I'm one of hundreds of thousands of yeah. engineers. I do the same thing that everyone else does. You know, I'm just coding, right? I'm just a product manager on this kind of whatever feature. Um, but really the industry is much smaller and people mm -hmm. talk, right? I don't I don't know if it's the same in, in, in finance there. Oh yeah. But people generally know who the kind of A, B players are. Uh, people know like, you know, in a deal, like who did most of the heavy lifting and who did most of the work, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think, you know, it's so funny because I think uh, LinkedIn has been a powerful tool because uh, at every company I've been at, um, there have been people that I've worked with at the same company that apply to my then current firm. And the first thing that the hiring manager or the recruiter does is they look at the LinkedIn mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, you actually have these connections. Oh, did you happen to overlap with Rick? at this company right and they do this thing in, in tech it's called the back channel where it's these like silent references you know it's like not the folks that you write down yes. on your 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 application or that you send to the recruiter uh but it's just oh like you might have crossed paths did you work with jack yeah. at this time what is yeah. he like would you hire him again um and I, I think a lot of the times people don't know that this is this is happening. It's very common, especially in tech of like more senior roles, right? When you start being like group product manager or staff engineer or like the director level in these business roles, this happens quite a bit where they'll like kind of do the like secret background check. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I see that on two ends of the spectrum. One, when you're going into an interview and you play that little person geography, just like you were talking about, you know, you know, you're at, uh, you know, Google. Oh, did you know this person? You knew that person? Because the interview is trying to feel out who you know, so I could kind of ask some questions and do, like you said, the back channels doing it. So, but then also you have to be concerned. I had this maybe four months ago where we had this person they wanted to hire the person ready putting an offer together and then some i can't use foul language on this platform so but i would like to so somebody not somebody a couple of people went to the hiring manager in hr they got wind that the person was interviewing and completely sabotaged the person I don't know why they did that, what happened, but they kind of just said, oh, you shouldn't hire this person. And I, I really didn't know what they said, but all I heard back from the company, I'm sorry, we're going to have to just you know withdraw the offer. It's not working. So that's something also you have to tend to, to make sure like what's, what people think about you. Did you, did you, did burn you do bridges. anything? Yeah. Did you burn a bridge? Did you do something? And if you, if you have, make amends you don't want you don't want to create enemies you want to you want to create friends what, what is the negative word or the, the antonym of prestige is it like just like 
Schlocking. S- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like a S word reputation. You know, Is that the opposite? It's, you know, it's like, it's, you have, I guess the tier system. So let's say, you know, on Wall Street, you might have Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. Then maybe you have like Deutsche Bank, Credit Suisse, Barclay. I'm not putting exact orders, but you know, where you right. have these things where people will say, hmm, if I go, would, should I leave Morgan Stanley and go to, you know, let's say Jeffries, which isn't as well known, but then Jeffries is going to pay more money. Which one do I pick? And I see that on blind. That happens a lot where, you know, I'm at Amazon, I'm at Apple, I'm at Google, I'm doing really well. And now, yeah, this is a really cool tech company, but no one really heard of it. I can't brag to my spouse, my family, my kids, my neighbors. Hmm, what do I do? And that becomes a big challenge, right? Right? Like, which do you choose? Do you choose a prestigious company, but maybe they're not paying as much, or maybe you're not even in a high role, but you have the prestige? Or do you go for the money and say, hmm, this company isn't well known, but I'm going for the money? See, I, I have the like least popular answer okay. to this question. Uh, but my framework for these, like, or any career mm-hmm. decision is I either have to be learning or I have to be earning. I like that. Yes. And ideally, I'm doing both. Right. You know what? And that's so great. That's, that's two good metrics. Yeah. I, I think it's like what you want to optimize for. Yeah. Right. So I, I think earlier on in your career, I certainly kind of followed this strategy where I wanted to actually work at a startup or a smaller firm where I could just be more Mm -hmm. hands-on and I have like fewer like degrees of separation between me and the CEO or me and like a certain executive that I really like whose background I really admired uh, because then I can get that FaceTime, right? So, you know, I worked at a small lobbying firm in San Francisco that no one had heard of but there was only two degrees of separation between me and the CEO. And I, I think Jack, like, like I, I followed your advice early on in my, my career where I noticed like, oh, the CEO, he, he comes in early because he was a military guy. So he woke up early. So I'm going to wake up early, get into the office at mm-hmm. 6 a.m. also. And the first time I did that, he looked at me like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I did it again the second day. And I did it again the third day. And it was in this kind of like when it was just me and him, it was in the office, we're like dead quiet. And he would just shout out, hey, Rick, what do you think about this? Or like, did you see this? You know, it was a political law- lobbying firm. We always had the news on. And so he would do is just shout out and became mm-hmm. friends from that, right? And, and I got to like get closer and closer and and see what it was like to be a lobbyist and see like learn about his background and how he got there, right? And um, it, it was so incredibly invaluable, right? It was just like that little thing that you could kind of do to, to, to help yourself. And, you know, I, I, I came from Berkeley, but I, I didn't go to like Harvard or Yale mm-hmm. or I didn't go to policy school. I didn't have a master's or anything. I didn't work for a cool politician as their chief of staff, uh, but I, I just soaked it all up, right? And, and so I think... That is a good point, right? Where you have to just be learning in your early on of portion of your career. And the money, it's it's fine if you're you're not earning a lot because you know, I don't know about you, but like 
Jack, when I was in my 20s, I didn't have money, mm-hmm. but my friends didn't have money either. <laughs> so and we just, yeah. exactly. And we just had the best time. Right. We were just all broke together. And we, we yeah. like, it, it didn't necessarily matter that we weren't like earning six figures, yeah. right? Or that we got a bunch of stock. Uh, now that I'm like later in my career, I've done the learning. I, I know what like I'm good at. And now I'm kind of optimizing for like, Hey, let's do, let's figure out impact or let's figure out, you know, the total comp. Um, and, yeah. you know, some of these folks on blind, they're, they're optimizing both, which is really great. But I think they might feel like they, they've hit a cap too early. Yeah, but I like where you're going with this because what you're saying, you don't have to have this binary choice. You know, do I go to a prestigious company or it goes a less prestigious company and more money? So there are a lot of variables, as you were saying. Are you maybe it's a smaller company, so then you get access to the executives and you're going to learn much faster? Is it a faster growing kind of place that you're in? So it's it's going to grow. Maybe it's like this AI startup startup that could just go through the roof. Um, but then I guess it's also the corporate culture. What kind of benefits do you get? Stock? Do you get options? Uh, do you like the people? So it's a lot to put together. It's it's not. You know, it's not easy, but I do feel what happens. Some people just are label. I can't say the word. Focused. What I to say. Or oriented. <laughs> okay, yes. So they just want that label and that's all they care about. So they could brag. Right. You know, others, they're like, I couldn't care less. I just want to, I just want to make as much money as possible. It doesn't really matter the name of the company at all. I want that. And I, and I respect that. Cause like you, you want to do, you've got to do what you feel is right for you. Otherwise you won't be happy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to summarize, I think prestige does matter. Mm-hmm. Prestige matters in ways that uh, you might not recognize or notice, right. Even something as granular as the zip code that you're putting on your resume. Mm-hmm. Um, does matter to some hiring managers and recruiters out there, whether it's right or wrong. And, but there are different things that you can optimize for beyond prestige, especially if your background isn't quote unquote prestigious in the traditional sense, right? There are things that you can do like networking, like standing out, uh, being the best that you can be at your company or in your function or in your role, right? Like think about how many AI machine learning engineers are out there in the world. Probably a few dozen, but that's that's if if you're just like really good at that one thing, you're probably basically known worldwide and every firm wants you, right? Um and I think in every industry, no matter what it is or what your role is, um it's much smaller that world than you think, right? And people do talk. And so again, it kind of goes back to the importance of networking and building a reputation for yourself um and and not burning any bridges can can i add one one can i add just a little bit more color about the the work part because give me an example i when i started recruiting uh i gotta tell you faxes were the thing then so i'm dating myself right and you didn't have iphones you had the big clunky computers right and i worked at you know, and a lot of recruiters fall into recruiting because they like failed at everything else and they just fall fell into it. And I'm included with that. I admit it. Oh, no. And so it was like a very small, no name search firm. And then somehow I got connected with Goldman Sachs and at the time and still arguably one of the best Wall Street investment banks out there. 
and they're notoriously challenging to work with because they want to get the best of the best just like picture like the places Google. are blind, you know, right. all of them, you know, to get into Meta, to get into Amazon, Apple, you know, you have to be the best of the best. And they were one of the starters of like having these five, 10, 15 interviews over the months because <sighs> they wanted to really test you to see, to really know who is this candidate and can they really, you know, do well here. And so I made it my mission. I, I, I put in hours and hours and hours. If they would call me like a Friday night in August saying, hey, here's what we need. I'm like, I'm here for you. And then wow. my pay, if I had plans, cancel the plans. I'm recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. So then they would say, wow, Jack would come through. Then they'd give me another order. And then I'd come through and then another and another and another. And after a while, I became that go-to person. And then talk about prestige. In a way, okay, so I had this small search firm that no one really knew that much about, but I did really well. But I became the guy where everyone says, wow, he has the in with Goldman. I want to get to know Jack because I want to get in there. So right. I had this halo effect of like, wow, this guy must be really good. And see, that's like a way that if you don't have that pedigree, if you don't have some of those ends, you could find other ways how you could stand out how you can make yourself a difference, you know, because then I was young, I had all the energy. It's not like now I get tired, like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, I'm exhausted, like an old man. But like then I had all the energy. So I was like, yeah, bring it on. Let's do this. Let's go. So there are other ways you can tackle it. So don't get despondent. If you don't, you know, graduate from such and such university, you're not working with such and such. There are other ways you could really thrive and, and, and really make a name for yourself and succeed. It's almost like kind of like the snowball effect, right? Yes. Where each of your little successes built up together. Yes. And it became this huge avalanche of yeah. success. And I, I bet once everyone heard what you're doing at Goldman, all the other banks and firms came knocking on your door, right? Because they wanted Exa to Exactly. Like, who's this recruiter, man? He's killing over there. Exactly. So they're like, hey, can you help us? Sir? And then before you know it, we had at the time, now, some of these firms aren't around here, like Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, you know, Morgan <laughs> Stanley, they're still around. So you get all these, you know, companies that were like, yeah, hey, we need your help too. So it's, so take heart, you know, I don't want anyone to walk away from this, from the initial top of the conversation, figure, hey, if you don't have that right background, you're doomed. Not at all. Not at all. You get, you could end up going way past those other people, just blowing them right out of the water. And I mean, not to be corny, but you can actually create your own prestige. Yeah. Right? Because it seems like that's exactly what you did. You built a reputation for yourself. And then that way, you, your search firm, your work, it became prestigious, right? Yeah, you build a All brand firms, and then go to right? brand. If you need, in my case, it was you know hiring these Wall Street compliance, legal risk, audit kind of folks. So you build right. your brand. Like that's the go-to person for that niche, you know, that area. And you could do that your own career like you become that person so that recruiters know to call you because you're that go-to person who's like the guru the expert everyone loves that person and then you're going to just the worst thing that's going to happen you're going to get headaches that too many recruiters call <laughs> and try to solicit you away which is a bad problem to have it's not not that at all thanks for uh, kind of breaking down like with prestige and and whether this concept exists and if it really matters and 
if you don't have it, how you can kind of get around it and, and, and build your own personal brand, your own personal prestige. So exactly. thanks. That's it for the blind ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.